Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, today we've been joined by a championship winner and I've got to say one of the most popular players in the last decade for Reading FC is Jim Carachan. Hi Jim, how are you? Uh, yeah, all good, thank you. All yourself? Uh, not too bad, not too bad in this uh, situation that we're all in. So yeah. first of all, whereabouts are you? Because you got released or not quite sure what happened with Central Coast Mariners. What's the story there? Um, well, I was obviously at Millwall start of last season. Uh, wasn't getting the game time that I was told um, I would be getting. So it came to January. Um, and in all honesty, I probably got a bit disillusioned with um, with football. Um, I, As everyone knows, really, that has followed me since Reading. It's been a horrific few years for myself. Um, so... I just wanted to play some games and I'd spoken to Central Coast in the summer um, and was going back and forth with them then and it just wasn't right um, at the time and they had a lot of stuff going on with them with like the Usain Bolt stuff um, and I just thought I didn't really want to be a part of it at that time uh, and then came to January and Nick Montgomery um, who was at Sheffield United for, for quite a while um, I stayed in touch with him and at the time Khalifa Cissé was there um, and I'd stayed in touch with Khalifa so he was on my case like come on just do it you'll love it so I just just went for it really um, I didn't even explore options in England to be honest in January I just thought you know what I'm going to take my wife to Australia and just go and try and enjoy myself and uh, I loved every minute of it to be honest it was um, it was an incredible experience um, you know it was the club you know it's not in a great place still Um but there's some great people at the club. It's pretty much like Reading, very family-based. Um, people that work there have been there for years, um, and I slotted straight in. Um, but unfortunately, just couldn't come to the terms again in the summer. Um, was looking for a bit more security, and my wife was pregnant. We, we uh, found out when we were over there that she was pregnant, so we just wanted to have the baby home, really. Um, and the package over there wasn't enough to entice us, so I came back in the summer. So, um, yeah. That's, that's what happened there um, and since then it's just been tough really um, been into a couple of clubs got offered a couple of things from different clubs but pay as you play and, and things like that and just you know I wasn't really willing to accept that um, and here we are really it's been <laughs> we've come to like well we're April time now to see what's happened with the football has happened now and it's a weird situation but you know I'm still confident in my ability that I can do a job at most places so I'm just going to see what happens in the next couple of months really that's that's how it's been Was one of those clubs Oxford United? Yeah so I, I, I went into Oxford Because um, as a Reading fan sorry Jem that's like <laughs> not a popular one I'm a Reading fan myself but yeah. you know, I'm sure as anyone will say when when it comes to it you've not played football for a long time um I turned them down, funny enough, before I went to uh, Millwall in that uh, sort of summer before I joined Millwall, I, I met them up and I, it was, I wasn't keen on doing it, but it came to a point where I needed to play games. Um, obviously, one of my close friends, Jamie Mackey, was there, uh, James Henry was there, Rob Dickey, Tariq, a lot of people that I knew from Reading were there, so even though it wouldn't have been ideal in terms of being a Reading fan myself... Um, I need to put money on the table, <laughs> yeah. food on the table for, for my family, but I don't really want to go into 
too deep, too much detail what happened there, but I was basically told I was going to be signed and uh, never got a phone call from the manager again after I had a face-to-face chat with him, um, which again, in all honesty, pushed me further away from football. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on when you're a free agent. Um, a lot of people talk a good game. Um and don't come through with what they say and, and kind of treat you with not the respect that you think you deserve. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail on that, but it, it didn't work out, so it, uh, we move on. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, obviously, I could, yeah, 100% see uh, money. We all need it. It's, we all talk yeah. about it as a fan, but this is the way it works in the world, isn't it? But, yeah, it sounds to me like you're having a different kind of, like, relationship with football and have having a lot of setbacks and basically lack of trust now yeah yeah um, you get a lot of people who kind of um, come out the woodwork people that you think are your friends in the game um, who are agents or in coaching and you know you kind of you're looking for a favour or you're looking for a bit of help but it's definitely been eye opening um, since the situation I've been in Um, but yeah you're probably right it's been tough I've tried to it, it did get to a point, I suppose, um, after my wife had the baby in, in November, you know, I wasn't sure what I was I wanted to do, really. Um, but, you know, I've tried to stay fit. I've been in since to a couple of clubs um, where I know, without being big-headed, I know I'm better than what they've got. Um, I know I can still do a job at a good level. Um, but financially, uh, for squad reasons, the time has just not been, been right for, for them and for myself, so... You know, we just keep plugging along and uh, just see what happens, really. But, no, it's tough. It, it's been tough and it's hard, I guess, as well, seeing people you play with, played against, um, that you back yourself against and who are doing well. So you just have to tick off the Saturday, Tuesdays, you're looking at the games and just try and hang in there. But, no, it's been it's definitely been hard. It's been, been probably the toughest time of my life, apart from the injury that I went through. So, yeah. Yeah, this is guy recently did one with Paul McShane and you see the other side of football when a player gets an injury and a lack of faith from other people around them and it really yeah. starts to get yeah. to them. But let's talk about a bunch of fans and a club that 100% loves you and that is Redden Football yeah. Club. That, <laughs> the love for you when I say that you're coming on the podcast or mention you're on my site is just always there. I can tell you that. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. So you made your debut for us in 2007. Kind of, what players were you around at that point? You must have had some absolute monster players like Gilfie Sigerson and Alex Pierce. Are you still in contact yeah. with any of those players? Yeah, um, I think that was what's so nice um, going through what I've been going through recently is, you know, that group of players, we're not best mates, but we all know what we all went through with each other. Um, you know, the getting coming through the academy when you know I think at that time there wasn't really a lot of lads especially at Reading that, that were coming through and, and staying there um, and day in day out we pushed each other along there was obviously um, our groups that as it was Piercy um, Harrelson Canoe Churchy myself um, who else was there um, Mikel Anderson Alex McCarthy uh Tom Petrowski, who was a sensational striker, who unfortunately had injury issues at the time. Um, and then Gilfie, that, like, it's, it's never ending. Tom Hatley, who's doing well in Poland. 
and we and we are we all, we all stay in touch um which is nice you know I, I speak to Piercy a lot Churchy a lot um Gilfie now and again um yeah we all of them we, we've all stayed in touch really how who's flying at West Brom you know we stay in touch as well so no it's it was a great group of lads that we had and obviously without Eamon um who I think we can all we're all indebted to really um you know I miss him you know especially going through the time I'm now he was always kind of like my rock in terms of who to go to when I was in Turkey he was always there for me um so yeah it's tough really that that group we we missed kind of our mentor and that but we, I think a lot of what we we do now and go from aims installed a lot of things into us and I think that's trickled down through each and every age group I think you'll always see a bit of aiming from now on in, in everyone else so we had a great group and first team wise you said Wells Harpers who I actually saw last month funny enough um, made a great catch up and they were our idols at the time who, who made us want to achieve what you know what we eventually did do in promotion yeah, James Harper, he's a character, isn't he? <laughs> he really is. He was amazing for us. Um, he used to run a little club with Gibbo um, every morning before training. Um, Harps and Gibbo and then myself and Piercy, Gilfie, we'd do it every day. Um, and yeah, Harps was amazing for myself, especially as a centre midfielder. You know, I used to drive into training sometimes and see him running in with weights around his ankles and stuff like that and or on his bike. Um he, he was superb for myself and, you know, it was great to catch up with, with him the other week as well. Yeah, no, so it's so a kind of, who would you say is the best player outside of Reading that you're watching that you kind of like based, you kind of like would like to kind of like get to, kind of idolise slightly as growing up? Um, I watched so much football, obviously growing up as we all did and it, it was weird, like, I've been asked this question like, quite a few times and you obviously have your your obvious ones like Lampards and Gerrards but I don't know it was weird You can't, I kind of got myself caught up in a bubble and was we were just focused on Reading so like Eamon was always like who's got your shirt you're going to go and get it do you know what I mean so for us or for myself it was more like Sidwell and Harps they were the ones that you know you looked up to you'd see day in day out on the training pitch um, outside them like I say your Gerrards and your Lampards but I was uh, like tunnel vision really on, on Reading players and whose place I wanted to take and what they did to be in Stevie Coppel's team um, and I was like well, what and Eamon always used to say you need to see what they do they're the ones getting picked you need to base yourselves on on what they do what else you can add to it and and that that's that was your target so that that's kind of what I did really you bring yours Harps Sidwells you know people might say oh they're not uh, world beaters but uh, they were my idols growing up, really, coming through the academy. And, you know, they had, had amazing careers and careers that at the time I wanted to have. So that's who I kind of went for. And apart from that too, I, who my dad loved and, and my brother loved as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Harper and Sidwell are, are probably our best ever. I mean, if you look at what they achieved at the club, the yeah. 106, it's a perfect example, isn't it? Another person who has such a big impact on your career was Brendan Rodgers when he came into the club in 2009-10. He's a kind of Reading manager who, obviously, look at what he's gone on to do. It's quite incredible. Yeah. But I think he probably learned so much from that period. Do you think that's a fair kind of comment on that one? Yeah, um, I met Brendan when I came to the club um, when I was 14, I think. So, obviously, he was still head of academy. Um, and Steve Shorey had brought me in 
where I was at Wimbledon until I was 14 and then due to them moving to MK Duns I, I was looking for a club and, and, and Reading popped up um, and Brendan was amazing you know like watching his coaching with the older age group Scotty Davies um, Ryan Ketney's you know that, that kind of age group um, you know he, he, his coaching was superb but um, when I eventually did sign for Reading he left and Aiman came in um, so I knew Brendan briefly um, so when he got the manager's job, it, it was someone you knew, but someone you knew that um, didn't, you know, it, it wasn't like if a Brian or an Aiden got the job and you knew like what the crack was. Uh, so we, we worked hard. Um, and at that time, when Brendan originally came in, he told me I could leave. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was very weird um, after I broke into the team and then Brendan came and, and he said, uh, I think Beshitash had put in an offer. Um Nick Hammond pulled me and said, you're free to speak to them. And I, I was like, well, I don't want to leave. <laughs> um, can I get a new deal? He was like, no. So <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, like this is crazy. Like, what's going on here? I've just broken in and now I'm potentially moving to Turkey. Um, but then we had the pre-season, ended up kind of, you know, I wanted to show him that, you know, I'm not, I'm not leaving. And I ended up um, starting the first game of the season. Um, and we played Chelsea in that pre-season just before. And it was one of the biggest games, I, I guess, we we were, even though it's pre-season, we were all excited for, and he didn't bring me on. So I kind of thought that was the final straw. Everyone came on, um, and I was like, all right, that's me. And then we trained the week after, and on the Thursday, he said, where do you want to play in midfield? And I was like, well, like, this, this has come out of nowhere. And I said, hold him at a diamond. And then I started playing for Brendan. And, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed um, his coaching, um, yeah, obviously, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. Um, but he's gone on to do amazing things. And annoyingly, he beat us in the playoff final, which which was a bit of a sucker punch. Um, that will come up know, later, like, Joe. That will come up later. <laughs> the playoff final. Fair play to him. He's done amazing. And we knew from day one when he came onto the pitch and was trying to enforce what he wanted us to do, we, you could tell he, he, he was like a, another level. So Yeah, um, totally. No, shot. no surprise. I have a strange kind of late story about Brendan Rodgers myself because when he first came to Reading, he lived with my family. Oh, really? <laughs> so I kind of knew him a little bit. And he yeah. took me into a game at Elm Park so long ago, obviously. And he actually watched the game with me and I watched it with him. And he coached me kind of through it slightly, even as a 17-year-old. And yeah. I didn't have any idea of how that dynamic was going to work. But when you look back, you think there's something there completely. Yeah, yeah. Quite he was obviously at Chelsea, wasn't he? Before, so when he came in, mm. he had kind of like his Chelsea idea. So you were like, I think Pierce was John Terry, I was meant to be McIlary. Yes. You know I mean? <laughs> so you kind of like, then we had someone to focus on. He was like basing your game around like these players. So that was interesting. Um, but no, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But you know, for the, I think for the best, uh, what happened? You know, he's 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 gone on and done wonders. Yeah, he has. And also after he left. It meant that we saw Brian McDermott come into management, and yeah. that man is—you can't say anything negative about him at all. No, he's no. just no. an amazing man, just incredible. Yeah. He was on a podcast recently with Aidy Williams, and I put a yeah. tweet out saying, "I wish I could get a signed shirt." And just completely from nowhere, he contacted Aidy and said, "Oh, I've got a signed shirt from the Championship winning season. Does he want it?" Yeah. I don't know, that's just <laughs> says so much about him, doesn't yeah. it? Typical Brian. Yeah. Incredible. But what impact did he have on you when he came into management? 
Um, so Brian was our reserve team manager. Um, so we all knew him pretty well. But then once again, you know, when someone gets a manager's job, you just don't know what what's going to happen. But I got on well with Brian, and you know, when he he got the job, he, he threw me straight in, uh, put his put his trust in me, and I guess from then on, I, that's when my progress kind of just you know went up and up and up. Um, especially with Nigel Gibbs, I loved every minute really of, of uh, Brian's time. Um, yeah, it was the time of our life, really, the time of my career. Um, the team that we had going from where we were in the table to the playoff final, um, bouncing back from that to then get promoted the next season, I don't think that will happen or has happened. Um, so we just had an incredible unit, um, you know, from from the goalkeeper to the driver, the lads that weren't involved. You know, that we were unbreakable as a unit, really, and... Um, Brian and, and Nigel created that. So, yeah, incredible guy. I still speak to him now. He still tries to help me out. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's someone that I'll always look up to and, and forever grateful for what he, he helped me achieve. And I think it's so unfortunate what happened with with him his second time around because um, I don't think it was fair. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty going around at the club, but... It was also frustrating for myself because I came back when he got the job and he said, do I want to come back? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so we were kind of looking forward to it to the end of the season and then unfortunately he lost his job. But, you know, I think it's a shame it had to end like that, but I don't think anything would tarnish what he did for the club and, you know, he's an incredible ambassador for the place. Well, only two managers got us promoted to the Premier League and he's one of them. So... <laughs> I think it stands yeah. on its own. But talking yeah. about that 2010-11 season, you also scored an amazing goal against Preston North End in that season. Yeah. Is that is that your best ever goal for Reading? Um, probably in terms of a goal, if someone was just to pick it out, it probably was. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I, do I don't want to balance it. Yes, balance you got two goals was, that day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and Ledge always in competition because we weren't known as goal scoring midfielders. And when we did seem to get a goal, it seemed to be like a bang up in 20 or 25 yards. Uh, but yeah, it's, it probably is. And funnily enough, it was after that, it was the day I met my future wife. Um, so it's kind of when I look back at that day, it was kind of you know a, a good day all round, really. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, that is pretty good, isn't it? He would say so, but yeah. <laughs> no, that was a crazy season, the 2010 11, because. Brian McDermott comes in, we're in, we're not in a good position in the league at all. But we have a good FA Cup run as well. We get to play Man City away. We also get to the playoff semi-finals. But before that, we have that game at Nottingham Forest, which is 4-3, which is one of the weirdest games and maddest games we've ever seen. What can you tell us about that game? Yeah, um, Forest, like, it was weird. When we played Forest... you could sense in the change room because at the time of Forest were like flying um, very good team um, who were expected to go up and it was annoying for us because we, we always trust, looked around the changing room and we were like we're better than all these teams and we got no praise whatsoever if you looked around man for man I thought we were we could challenge anyone which we eventually did but when it came to Forest you know there was a couple of little rivalries going on um, so yeah it was, it was a crazy game 
Um, if it was Hardy's free kick. Um, I think was there a penalty that they scored in my header, and then the last was it Churchy put the ball across for Churchy to get a mm. goal. It was yeah, well, probably one of my favourite games I'd say. Um, and when G Mac and Gunt signed for for Reading, we gave them a bit of stick over that because they played in that game. But yeah, an, an amazing game. Well, it was definitely one of the best from my Reading career, which which I can remember. It was just crazy, wasn't it, end to end and. Who knew what was going to happen? No, it was impossible, wasn't it? It's those kind of games that must be great as a player because you just, it's almost must be like going back to being much younger yeah. and playing in those was. games. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, when I look back at my time at Reading, I think that's why I, I know people always say you look back and it's kind of, you know, you, you look back at, at memories and your emotions are heightened because you just think of the good stuff. But that game and that season is was the, my favourite. You know, like the the lows to the highs that we had, and you know that that group again. Um, and I think that Forest game, we were then, I think we were then in the hotel for three or four days because we then, if I remember correctly, we had Scunthorpe away on the Tuesday or something like that. So we were all in the hotel together for a few days, and then I think that that bonded us even more. So even looking back at your little decisions from Brian, that was you know like a, a masterstroke because we had a good time together. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, I was at the Scunthorpe game. They were 2 0 up in that game. Yeah, it was, a, sure. it was a weird game, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I even came injured in that. But yeah, that's surprising, right? <laughs> but there was the, we won't go on about that one now. <laughs> so there's a semi final of the playoffs against Cardiff. I mean, the first game, that was, that was tough. That was like real stalemate completely. Yeah. But the second leg. Shane Long was just on fire that season. He got 23 goals. I mean, I don't know whether he meant that first one completely. Yeah, Shane was on fire when he, he was, you know, he, he, the number one of Eamon and um, Pat and Bryce Fines. Um, yeah, he was incredible. And that game was, that was meant. So I remember the first one, it was just so tense. I remember being on it and it just felt, like there was so much riding on it and I think it got to us um, and another when we were playing Cardiff then games were always very they were tough games Cardiff were like flying as well um, and then yeah we just demolished them I we just I think we just ran over them I just think we wanted it more like that day I just think that's what, what happened and Joby was on fire that game I think Shukar, what, I think Shawnee C did Shawnee Cummins play? Yes yeah definitely yeah. that game yeah, um, yeah. Cummins stepped in and was on fire Um just all clipped, and then yeah, well, it's an incredible feeling, yeah, great. Yeah, brilliant, and uh, we're kind of thinking, are we going to break that playoff final jinx? Yeah. Well, there was there was this problem which you mentioned earlier. There was Brendan Rodgers's Swansea City in the way. Um, kind of the first half is best if we maybe move on from that one, because. Yeah. I don't know what happened. It was just the blitzkrieg, wasn't it, from uh, Swansea in that first half. We just really just didn't work out at all, did it? No, and annoyingly, it seems to be on Sky an awful lot. Oh, uh, tell me about it, Jem. <laughs> I turn it on all the time, and it's yeah. like, oh, you can't go out. Oh, look what's on Swansea versus Reading in a playoff yeah. final. It's, it's weird because <laughs> you watch it. And the only way I can get through it, is, through it is just knowing that we went up the next year as champions. That's the only way. Because like, I've sat there with my missus and I've, I've sat there and I've nearly cried sometimes. I'm like, watching it. I'm thinking, oh, is it on again? And then 
Joby or I'll message Joby or he'll be watching at the same time and we will have a little laugh about it but it was I just I don't know I think we just started a bit well no we started on really well and I think Shane did Shane have a chance yeah he did yeah he had a chance and yes we were, I think we were doing well the first and then they got the goal and I don't know it, it, we just a bit shaky at the back I think without <laughs> It was a little bit shaky, Jam. Let's be yeah, fair. We looked a bit shaky, and it just—oh! And that was the thing. We all we all loved each other so much. You can even see on the pitch there was no one even really in them situation. You want to dig someone out? Didn't you? Mm. Normally, like come on, lads, like, pick it up. Like effing the Biden, but you just felt for everyone. Just felt for each other. You think, oh, we've done all this, and then we're down. Was it free zip and however long? And oh, I, it, it was horrible. But we came in at half time and. Joby came in and, and gave us a, you know, not kick up the bum, but like, you know, a bit of a realization of what we've done, what we've what we've come come through, and just saying that let's let's make the impossible happen. Um, and then Brian, you know, settled us down and got our heads back in it, and we went out, started on fire. Um, yeah, and then got back into it, and then it posts, and then that was kind of I think after that, that was like, oh, it's not gonna happen. So. How often do you think about that shot, Jen? Because whenever I see it, I just think, oh. like you say, yeah. the only way is to get through it is the thing. Thank goodness we won it the next season as champions. So it was even better. But yeah. I guess a little bit of selfishness in it is that you wanted to score that goal um, to get us back into it. Um, every time I see Gary Monk on the TV, every time I see Swansea on the TV, every, every time, you know, I don't think it will ever leave because you want to get promoted at Wembley. It's like the thing especially the playoffs it's, it's huge so it was frustrating and I think I always had a go at Noel after for not tapping in the rebound um, always digging out about that but you know it was meant to be I think it was it was a character building in the end I know after the game when we got back to the hotel we were obviously all gutted but it was weird we, we all went out in Reading that night and had probably weirdly an unbelievable night all together um we just realised what we kind of came close to doing. Um, yeah, and then we signed off and all came back next season, ready to, to give it another go. Yeah, and that worked out pretty well, didn't it? <laughs> it yeah. being the champions, despite Shane Long leaving, obviously, in the summer. Played one game, actually. Played against Millwall. That must have been a bit weird for him. But yeah. it's a kind of... There were so many things in that season which you could never have predicted. We had Anton Zingarevich come in. Now, he's a character yeah. on his own. There's another story. There's a man who was kind of like, yeah, had an impact. Let's definitely say yeah. that. But we, all, <laughs> yeah. we also saw Jason Roberts come in in the January. And then we go on to win 17 out of 23 games. Uh, yeah. that's, that's not normal, is it, Jeb? No. Um... <laughs> weird like we were just in the zone I think we bought in we bought in Casper um, yeah. and I remember Brian bringing him into change, changing room and we were all a very tight unit obviously from what we've been through and stuff and he was like this is the guy um, he's the man you know he's our like lead you know like enforcing that he and it's weird yeah, every time someone comes in changing we're not sure but Casper was an incredible incredible signing um, and we just went on a crazy run. Obviously, Anton popped up. We got Jason uh, Roberts in. 
uh, strengthened the squad with Hayden Mullins came in. Um, some uh, there was a couple of others. Tommy Chukka come yeah. in. Um, Benikafobi. There was yes. there was all like little little kind of pieces that we kind of added to the party, and it all just seemed to create this crazy momentum and then we just kept ticking off the games it was it was mental like when you look back at it I don't, that won't happen like that doesn't happen there's Liverpool obviously this year in terms of games one and stuff but especially in the championship the Saturdays Tuesdays they just take it out of you and it's so hard to kind of keep going and keep going but we, before you knew it we were looking at the playoff table and like we can get in there and then we were in there and then we were like we can get to the second and then the top it was, it was yeah it was, we were just all in the zone it didn't really even get spoke about that much you just we just looked at it and thought we could do it. Yeah, totally. It was just, how weird is it in the change room when you're just winning game after game? You're almost becoming like a, a robotic mode. This is what we do. We yeah. go on the pitch. We're just going to do it again and it will win. That's no problem. Yeah, that was, you'd look at the fixture list and you'd see Tuesday, Barnsley at home win. Like you, you, you kind of, mm. you knew as soon as you got on the pitch, you knew you were winning. And Bristol City at home, like you, you, you just ticking them off. You just knew the goal was coming. You knew the defence would do what they have to do. You knew the goal, someone would get a goal, and you just tick it off. It was, it was weird. So, like even when you look at games now, you look at not recently for Reading, but when you do look at some games, you're thinking, easy, they're just going to tick it off. Like not too much taken out of your legs, and you just get through it. And that was our zone. Like we just, it's weird. Anyone that's in any player has been that kind of team you, you just get in this weird weird momentum and just tick them off yeah totally for me it was a little bit of a throwback to the 106 season yeah. you just turn up and you think okay so how many is it going to be and if say we don't win today we get a draw we'll win the next one it's, it's yeah. inevitable it was just yeah. it was yeah it was beautiful as a fan to go along to see that because yeah. <laughs> we had threats from all over the pitch defensively yeah. looking strong you just think this is exactly what you want and yeah it would be nice to see some of that back but let's keep on the good bit here yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately there was a game against a team that we as fans most of us dislike and Leeds United that must be the club you most probably dislike the most now because your injury record against them is horrendous yeah. Yeah, you've yeah. got your first one in that season how difficult was it to come back from both those injuries um it broke me. It broke me a lot. Um, it was it was horrible because I came off. We played Leeds away, and Michael Brown. I came off in that game. Uh, Michael Brown. It's not similar, like kind of similar tackle. I thought he was kind of after me a bit, and I came off like in some pain in that game. Um, it was very feisty. Was it was it April game? I think yes. it was. Uh, yeah. It was a couple of games in a row, like in quick succession. Um, Obviously, I've just gone to kick the ball. And, and earlier in that game, I think Danny Pugh kind of went for my ankle already. And I think it was Sockgate, at least, I remember calling it. Um, and I, I remember it happening. It just felt felt weird. Like, my ankle didn't feel right. Obviously, straight after, it was in agony. And I came off and I thought, oh, it's just going to be a sprain. It's just going to be, like, uh, just something small. Like, uh, there's no way I'm missing the end of the season. I can't. Um, and then got to the hospital with my good friend Bobby Wilkinson, who's been at the club for years. Yeah. Um, he sent me to the hospital, and we were sitting sat there in, in, in the uh, in the little in the little room waiting for the doctor to come back. 
And the doctor came in and he went, Gemma, i got bad news. And I was thinking, oh, here we go. I thought Bobby had kind of put him up to it. And uh, he went, you broke your ankle. And I, I just I just, I just thought he's having me on. I, could, I Genuinely, I couldn't believe it. I just thought, no, not now. Like, I, what have I kind of done to deserve this? Um, and was it West Ham? I think a couple of days. I think it was West Ham just before. Was it the crazy game? Um, another uh, ridiculous one. I had to come off in that because I broke my nose in a, in a bloody slide, slide tackle. So um, I was sat there with a broken nose and a broken ankle, just thinking, what is going on here? Um, yeah, it, and then it, it killed me. It still does, you know, not being on the pitch, lifting, or yeah, well, yeah, lifting the top over with the lads. I was on my way, obviously, from the hospital. It it will always stick with me. It, it hurts still. Um, I weren't there, but, you know, I played my part. I think I played 42 games um, and I made it there. Uh, in the end and may even end to be in the changing with the lads but yeah it was crazy but yeah gutted still gutted about it yeah no I, I can understand that but the footage of you completely sedated and drugged up <laughs> kind of in this in between world of sedation and reality it's quite amazing <laughs> yeah well, well we sat there and I remember when Luke booked the operation I was like Luke we can go up that day like but we were both kind of like it won't happen that day, like Forrest, uh, like we won't, we, it was weird, there was kind of like a, we knew we'd kind of do it, but it weren't that, that weren't the day to do it, and the, I think at midweek, we were like, no, nah, it won't happen then, um, so Luke, look, you'll be in early, you'll be done, You, if you're feeling right, you'll make it, and then the operation kept put, getting put back that day, and I was, I was put, I'm, I was given some stuff quite early to get me ready for the op, so I was a bit out of it, like early doors, um, my mum, my, my brother, my sister were all with me. And then I had the op, came round, and I said to my mum, what's happening? She was like, it's nil-nil. I was like, we'll stick it on the radio. Um, and then we heard Ledge scored, and then we were like, they were jumping around. I was just on the hospital bed. I just literally had swallowed um, some morphine, some liquid morphine. And I was completely out of it. I said, mum, get me, to, get me to the game. I was like, I need to go. She was like, Jim, you can't go. Like, we're in hospital. It's basically locked. You can't leave. I was like, I don't care. Like, get me out. So my brother ran out, got a wheelchair, put me in it. And then we just went to the car, jumped in the car, was throwing up in the car. Um, and it was, I was, I was horrible to mum. I was like, it's fast, I'm fast. He said, Jim, I can't. Like, I can't. Uh, crazy. And I think one of the plastic bags, my sister gave me had a bloody hole in the bottom of it. Oh. So thrown up on, on the floor. stressful watching rather than playing yeah it was horrible it was horrible because um, it's it's just different like 
you just like you say you're in the zone you're ticking off the games you're getting on the pitch you're not thinking about anything else so you kind of know what you want to achieve but it's not really a you're not thinking about it. but when you're there as a fan you know me and Les driving down to Southampton on the game and the Brighton and, and you, you just you're in a weird zone like it's just a crazy feeling to, to especially that time and knowing you couldn't really do anything but at the same time you're trying to be yourself even when you're in an ankle boot like it's it's, it's, it's uh, it was crazy and I think after the Brighton game I hobbled on and Brian gave me you know put his arm around me and it meant a lot um, so yeah it was just crazy times yeah yeah it's, it was completely crazy times um just the whole feeling of the club at that point, it was unstoppable and the games at the end of the season, seeing you come on. I remember watching you go around on the pitch yeah. and thinking, how is he doing that? He's <laughs> just getting around there. But yeah. I guess just you, you did play such a major part in that season. If yeah. you hadn't played in those games, James, we wouldn't have won the league. Yeah. So that's the situation, <laughs> isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, amazing to know that you participated, but I don't. Mm. I think in, inside you always like them last four games are like yeah. the ones that people remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get that. You feel like you haven't quite clinched the deal. You haven't quite sealed exactly, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and that was kind of probably the start of downhill, really, in terms of injuries and stuff. But I came back from that summer in like rapid time, like a. Uh, like recovery went amazingly well, um, quicker than we ever thought. And I remember the first game of the season, I was gutted because Brian pulled me. This is now the Premier League season, and Brian pulled me and said, "Look, Jim, you're just not right. You need to play some minutes before we get you involved in the game." And me being stupid, I was like, "How, how can you not let me be involved? I've, I've gone through what I've been through, and um, but not just not taking stock of the situation where really. I was just taking my emotions taking over and obviously I had to play some games. I couldn't just pop up on a pitch in, in the Premier League, you know what I mean? But that is yeah. where my head was at. Um, and I played a game for the 23s at the time against West Ham on the Friday and then had the game on the Saturday. So I ticked off the box. I played like six, 60, ticked box, 60 minutes in the game. And then we had Chelsea on the Tuesday and, you know, I made my debut there, which was another ridiculous game. But, you know, still frustrating when we look back at it. So, yeah, that was he was offside. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not going to let it go, Jam. And you were there, so <laughs> I always make piercing for not scoring. Other we oh, yeah, whatever it was, I was, I was giving a bit of grief over that. But yeah, I think if we nicked a result there, I think mm. that would have changed. Uh, I know it's yeah. always some bucks, but that even that first second game season, it, I think it made a massive impact because we would have gone to Stamford Bridge, picked up a point, and it would have. You know, been, you know, just something to, to go on from. Yeah, no, totally. Talking to players and that first games of the season, the first early ones can impact the whole of the season so much. Yeah. It's kind of like you build a natural momentum and if, like you say, we've got a draw at Chelsea, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah. Self-belief would think if you could go yeah. there at that point, I mean, they were they champions? Well, they must have been up there at that point. Yeah, yeah. Self-belief. It was weird because obviously we brought up Anton, but we were all frustrated that we hadn't added a lot more because we all wanted our chance to prove ourselves in the Premier League but also we weren't stupid enough to know that as that group as it was could do it even though we, like, we, we gave everything we had to do it but we, we felt let down that bits of quality weren't added um, to get promoted and then only spend 
I think it was maybe five million to, you know, and only Pavel was and is recognised as a, a goal scorer or Gus G, obviously in and, and Gunt, but it was frustrating. Really, it was it was frustrating. Yeah, it was a weird transfer window, wasn't it? Because it just didn't happen at all, really, did it? Yeah. Kind of like we've got this supposed um, billionaire owner. Turns out it was his dad, uh, <laughs> basically Boris, with yeah. no money. Yeah, Boris. Yeah. Did you ever meet yeah. Boris? No, I didn't. Um, but that whole that whole thing was just like if you could have had like a reality TV show <laughs> like they do these days, it was crazy. Like to bring in. Obviously, when he brought Jason in in the January, we were like, oh, my God, like, here we go. Oh, we've got yeah. a billionaire owner. This is, like, what dreams are made of. It's like you're in football manager yourself. You kind of get get caught up in it. And then when we got promoted, he was he was at the promotion party, sending it, like, saying outrageous stuff to us all. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think I had my best mate on the phone at one point trying to get him signed um, from Swindon. It was, it was comedy, uh, what was going on. Um, it, it was... And for it not to pull through, and then to what happened, and then yeah, just unfortunate, but a very interesting episode in the, in the history of the club. Yeah, definitely. Talk about reality shows, Pavel Abon, didn't he? That was so weird. <laughs> He's an incredible character, Pavel. Um, yeah, he was because you kind of the fans like didn't really get to see his personality as much that season, but. He was he was a great character in the changing room. Uh, yeah, he, he was a good guy. Pavel, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him as well as he did. But he scored a few goals. To be fair to him, I think in the second season he'd done all right. But yeah, he's a uh, he's he's a funny guy. He also scored that goal against uh, West Brom in the three-two yeah. match. That kind of like, and that's when Alex Pierce went crazy and celebrated with the flag. Like he's a kind of crazy man, like flying it around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's brilliant. I'd want to get him on a podcast. That would be amazing. (laughs) That would be. Oh, that would be great, Jim. So we have the Premier League season. You score your first goal in the Premier League right towards the end against Fulham. That must have been a great personal landmark for you. Yeah, it was another frustrating season. Um, You know. I don't know why I thought I could, but I went into a block tackle with Stevie G thinking I'd come out <laughs> with the ball. Um, You've got to try, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, I guess, where I ain't got to blame Eamon for that one. He came before I think I was un- undestructible. Um, he uh, went into that tackle and I felt a pop in my knee. And I'd done it when I was 17 in a reserves game uh, against West Ham. And that was, a, I can't remember his name, right back at West Ham play for Ghana and again why I did it I don't know I should have learnt my lesson and I always got told off by some of the staff at Reading it's like Jim sometimes you're going for stuff that you can't win and I'd be like don't be stupid like I might be small but I can do it um, so I felt that tweak in my knee so I was out for a couple of months um, in, with that injury then I came back and when I came back we weren't obviously in a great situation so Brian lost his job Nigel came in um, and then yeah I scored that that goal at Fulham, which was an incredible feeling, you know. As a, as a kid, you wanna you wanna score in the Premier League, and I know we were near enough down, but um, no, we that game we all played really well. Um, one of our best performances, I'd say, probably in the Premier League that we had, um, and to score a goal in front of my friends and family, um, yeah, amazing feeling. 
Yeah, yeah, it must be because you kind of like want to get to that point. So, going back, you mentioned the Liverpool game. Daniel Carriccio, what was going on there? That is a mystery signing in a whole... I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Oh, OK. Congratulating him on his, on his move. Um, well, which is a very peculiar move now that he's signed for Wuhan. Um, yeah, you wouldn't want to go there at the moment, would you? Not really. Yeah, I know, right? He said they were in. I think they were in Spain at the time. They weren't allowed back, so yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. But he was he was a great guy, Danny. Um, came in pre-season. Everyone could see he was a quality player. Um, I don't know. It, it was weird in training. He was we were thinking I was fuming. I was thinking this keeper's a centre mid and he's coming in to take the place, but he, he was he was a top quality player. Um, but something wasn't right. I, I don't know what it was. Um, he played. In the Southampton game, was it? He played the game and came off after certain. Yeah, I think it was that, and yeah, and he played against Liverpool, and he made that sliding tackle against Steven Gerrard, and he was fine with it. You know, so it's kind of yeah. it's all levels, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but they, it was quite fun to see what he's got on. He's won the UEFA Cup twice in a row. He, he's a severe captain. He's the one that got away and maybe wasn't managed as as well. Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you, but he, he he got on well with everyone. Um, don't know. Don't know. Just strange. Really strange. Yeah, it's strange because he has such an amazing career afterwards. It's kind of how did that kind of <laughs> what happened? Yeah, what happened there? Deal in the background. We don't know about or something's happened. I wouldn't suggest that, Gem. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I will. But, um, no, top quality player, and unfortunately, we couldn't get the best out of him, and he probably would have helped us more in the league. But to throw someone in. You know, it didn't go great for him and then that probably damaged his confidence a little bit and then it's tough, isn't it? Brian, it was Brian, yeah, went back to what he knew. It's, it's just, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But, yeah, he's gone and done wonders. <laughs> totally. We also see Brian McDermott leave in that Premier League season. That must have been pretty devastating for you to see that happen because he's seen you through so many years. Yeah, um being young and naive at the time uh, I think he may have dropped me uh, just before that or something had happened I weren't in the team and just being young and stupid I weren't happy about it and um, I remember me and Brian had some words uh, came out of it obviously on the other side um, but unfortunately he, he then lost his job um, just just after after the manager of the month wasn't he got the, the state manager of the month and then yeah, it was it was a weird time because the the bond that we all had um, was incredible. But football's a business, and and we tried to stay up in the league. And, and Brian knew that he, he knew that more than anyone. It just wasn't working. So to see to see him leave and Nigel, who we were so close with, um, was tough. But then Nigel came in, and, and it was like any time someone comes in, that it was a it was a breath of fresh air, um, different way of playing. Um, Nigel and I got on really well so it, it was yeah, I enjoyed playing under Nigel and, and especially when we started dominating some games went to Norwich away we even met Man City at home turn up and we came off it we lost but we were like oh we can we can play against the big teams so we, we can actually play this way of football and, and, and do okay um, so yeah but no, it was it was it was it was rubbish. Really, it's never nice to see someone who's, who's done so much for you in your career leave. But Nigel came in, and like I say, we did okay, and, and, and we went on from there. 
And then Nigel Atkins made you captain at the start of the next season. That's uh, that's yeah. a big thing straight away, isn't it? Yeah, he did. Um, I think, what, how was it? I don't know. What happened that next season? I think it Joby. Joby was still there, I think, at the mm-hmm. start. So Joby had the season, and then I think it was the next year that yeah. when I actually had my knee injury that he, he, he'd given me the arm the armband. But um, he, I got on really well with Nigel. I really enjoyed myself and um, playing under him. I felt I developed um, a bit more under him. And, started, and I started that season with a couple of goals at Watford. I went to back, we'll hit the bar. I felt like I could add more to the team. It gave me another, instilled a lot of confidence in myself that I could add more to the just being a, you know, me and there's been a defensive tie, break it up, horrible to play against midfielder. Um, so, yeah. And then obviously I got injured and that kind of stopped that. So, yeah, it was uh, it was nice to give me the armband, I have to say, that next year when I was coming back from injury, that meant a lot. Made me feel part of it because it's tough being out with, with the injury I had for so long. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I accidentally, I jumped forward a season there. That was my fault. <laughs> totally. We can't forget the season when we finish seventh. We have a pitch invasion because a lot of the fans think they were in the playoffs. And yeah. just something very reading about that. And, you know, I've been a Reading fan for many years. I don't know. It's just yeah. one of those things, isn't it? But during that season, Anton Zingarich leaves the club. There must be rumours flying around the training ground at that point. What's happening? What's going on? Yeah, well, we uh, for the academy boys, um, we were all looking forward to the training ground, which is now mm. popped up. Um, however many years ago that is now, um, so it's weird. We we were like promised the training ground. We were promised a lot of things, and, and unfortunately, it weren't happening. And yeah, it was crazy because then the. The tie owner, it was it tie owners came in. Yes. Um, it was it was bizarre. A lot was going on, and and this is what was so frustrating. We were we were so tight, everyone uh, top to bottom. Um, you know, obviously Sir John was there, then Nigel Howe, and it. We were just Nicky Hammond. Do you know what I mean? It kind of everyone, the the girls in the office, the coaches. We we were all just like a family. So when. Anton came in, it was weird, um, but obviously uh, Sir John still had a major role in it, and then when the tie owners came in, it didn't feel right, it, it didn't feel right at all, um, especially not being on the pitch as well, and as captain, I, I guess I've never found something that's been as hard as trying to get asked questions about the team, why they're not performing, while you're just sat in the room, and trying to get back out there and watching training, um, it, it was very odd, <laughs> and yeah. we've moved on from them owners as well. So it's just been just been a strange time for the club. Yeah, very strange. I mean, now, like you say, we have got the Chinese owners, but we just don't know what's. I mean, the training ground from the pictures that we see, it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. It looks brilliant. I mean, that's surely going to help to attract players. You know that more far than, more than me. Do you think that's fair? Absolutely. From my experience since leaving Reading. I look back at them port cabins and they were heaven compared to some of the stuff I've seen since. Mm. Um, that training ground is the, the one that um, Hogwood is 10 times better than a lot um, in the football league. I have to say that. Um, so we we were <laughs> very spoiled. Well, I was spoiled now when I've been to a couple of other places and seen what what is there. Um 
think that sums up how good a place it was. Um, and yeah, the new training ground looks brilliant. And I think that's a major factor in attracting players. If you can, if you can get a player who's considering coming to the club, and then just from the images I've seen of Bearwood, you know, hopefully I'll get down there at some point. Um, it looks impeccable. So, hundred percent. If if a player wants to achieve stuff, they'll they'll see that training ground, and they should want to go to Reading, not just because of that, but obviously the stadium's still an incredible stadium, and the area, and yeah, the the proposition of Reading now. I, I think it's huge of, of what it can offer but obviously there's a bit of uncertainty around it um, and has been in following you know since I've left it's, it's been quite disheartening to see what's happened um, over the years um, and for me when I left um, that was a big part in why I, I did not just that but it was it was huge seeing uh, Sal Gibbo Luke uh, Matt Herons who it all you know were the club um, seeing them go, I thought, oh, maybe it's time, and uh, you know, a new beginnings. How I was wrong, but you know, you look back, and, and it was a shame to see them people, to see them people go. Yeah, definitely. I think these are the kind of people you just talked about. Some of them are really kind of like the backbone of the club, mm-hmm. and people don't notice that. They look at the first team players, managers, and they think that's it, where it starts and finishes. But you need that continuity there. And people like, especially like people like Lee Heron, who has gone on to yeah. Arsenal, it makes yeah. such a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. They, I think that was what was so huge about when we were there and why it was so good, because the the staff, it was just easy to be around. It was an incredible place to be. It was your friends and family are training. And when they started leaving, yeah, it, it, you could. there was a weird sense um going around it, it it was quite uncomfortable to be around sometimes um, and it was just a weird time for myself because I'd spent so long out um, with like the horror injury um, to come back play the last seven games um, it was my final year um, you know I was I didn't know what was going on I didn't know if my knee was strong enough I didn't know how that would kind of come back and then to come back from it um, and then see these people leave it, it was tough yeah, that last game, that Derby County 3-0 match, was multiple players from our academy leaving, obviously, on the same day. That was yeah. a strange match, wasn't it? On its own, forget about you leaving everything. That was a strange day, wasn't it? It was, yeah, very odd. Um, we went up to St George's the night before and stayed. And we all, you know, a few of us were in talks with other people and it, it was like, Murmurings of what was going on. There was a few lone players who were leaving, and we were thinking, "What well, is going to be here next season?" Um, I still hadn't added. Conc- I think I got concrete offer the day of the game or the day we went up from the club. Um, and then I remember, <laughs> I remember being in the preseason, the team talk before the game, and, and Steve Clark, who'd obviously had a turbulent time since he he'd come in. Mm. I think there was everyone expected him to kind of be gone as well yeah. and I think he may have sensed that because he said to me in the pre-season me and he went yeah Jim you take it so he gave, <laughs> he gave me the little laser and I took the the pre-match uh, analysis on Derby and I was thinking hold on a minute like this is I've just come back from him done this last game of season we need to go out and, and still finish on a high here it's not fair yeah. this, is, this is bizarre um so I was there with laser doing a little analysis on Derby, who were going for playoffs. Like mm. this is a serious game for them, um, and it was a weird team that we put out because um, I think Tariq, Jack Stacey, um, 
we had Appiah up front, Nolly, Nathan Chalabar. It was a, it was a it was a bizarre team we had out. Um, and for me to be playing in, couldn't come back from injury to a whole different kind of yeah, fish. It, it was odd. And then we went out with one three nil. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was mental. And then, yeah, I, I knew coming off that pitch, I, I had a slight fear, and that was kind of it. Um, yeah, it's it it sad, you know, looking back. It was it was the last time it wasn't um, at Medeski, but you know, they signed off with a win. Yeah, definitely, definitely a big win. Can you kind of like when you think back of your time at Reading and kind of like you obviously say you had the contract offered there. I mean, without knowing what the contract offer was, obviously, yeah. do you wish you'd taken that contract offer and gambled, or would you not change anything? That's what's going to happen. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I came back from what was I up fifteen, sixteen months. Um, I had three operations. Um, the first time I went in for a scan. It, it was just carnage from, from the get-go. I went in for my scan. I was still quite confident I hadn't done my... I was hopeful. I, I kind of knew it down, but I was, I was hopeful there would be some good news. Ten minutes into my MRI scan, the doctor stopped it. But the, the nurse stopped it and said, uh, we're struggling to find your ligament. Um, we need to redo this again. And I was like... I knew from that moment I was kind of on a, on a MRI scan in tears, waiting to get out there and speak to the physio and be like, is that normal? came out and I asked Matt and he was he was like no it's not normal like this is obviously not going to be great news then to get a call from Luke later that day it it was tough um, and I knew it won't it my knee what it you know that some players can do their cruise shit and, it, and it's just their cruise shit I'd kind of done the whole shit man. I'd kind of my knee had been written off in that tackle um, and I, I didn't know if I would even come back and when we went to see Dr. Williams who who did get me back playing he said we We'll try our best. So, from sitting up, from going from a really strong season that we started really well, I was playing for myself. Like, I think looking back, I was playing really well. I was really confident. I was like, you know what, we're going to storm this season. I, I thought we we had a great chance of going up, and um, to then get shot down and be like, you know, you're going to be out for a minimum a year. It it was tough. Um, then when I was coming back I remember going on the training pitch watching that train and I'd like break down I, I, it was it was tough you know I'd been, I was going through a lot um, coming back and I got told that my meniscus had torn again had to have another operation coming back from that and I played the Huddersfield game and my knee was completely it was not good like, it felt like it could go at any point and then I had another operation I got a call from Luca and Jamie he's going to the hospital now he booked him for an operation. I was like, "What?" Like I thought it was getting better. I was getting going through so much stuff. Um, so yeah, it was it was horrible. And then one of the times I had an operation, I got a call from the personal insurance company, and they basically said, "You know, if, if you're not going to be back, then you've got you, this is your last day. You can claim on your personal insurance." So I kind of even had to make a decision then whether I was going to c- continue playing. And I was only 24. I was just like what is going on like to kind yeah. of see my career basically I've got to decide now if, I, if, I, if I'm going to carry on playing football because I didn't know if my knee would make it so then to come back through all of that eventually get back on the pitch and then slowly build it up to then get offered less than half of what I was on at Reading for another year and then be offered three years on more than what I was at, on at Reading that's 
you know, like anyone would would take the three year option. I think so. With my, you know, the, the sensible head on, I'd done the right thing. But in my heart, I wish I stayed. Um, but you know, I've, I've not had a club for a year, and I think the reason I've been able to have that is because of what I did in Turkey. I went and you know financially set myself up. So it's tough. But yeah, I, I've, I've missed probably every day that I've, I've left. I've always thought about it. So when I see what they've been through the last couple of years, you know, I, I wish I'd stayed and I wish I could have a testimonial and, you know, like all them little things. So it's, it's hard seeing, seeing the club where it's been at recently and I always wish I stayed, but, you know, you can't, you can't have no regrets, I suppose, but it's just, uh, just been a crazy, crazy time since really. Yeah, totally. It has been a real um, insight there into how, like, the dynamics, because you just see it in the paper, well, not on the paper yeah. now. Nobody sees it on the paper now. They see it on their phones, basically, don't yeah. they? And kind of like, you see it on social media going through and all the rumours, you know, he's, why should he do this? He's been out injured. You actually hear now the whole inside of how close yeah. you were to quitting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. And I, I remember having a chat with Nicky Hammond I think this is around January time when I played I'd come back for the reserves game and it weren't right and, and I thought I was going to get a good phone call and it weren't a great phone call from Nicky and it was more like we're not sure we can't commit to you with what's happened and and that broke me because I thought everything I've, I felt I'd given the club to not even kind of be given like an extra year to but then also it's a business decision why are you, why are you going to back someone who hasn't played for a year and um, reasonably okay money or good money uh, so you just don't know so I understood it now but at the time I, I felt probably I felt a bit betrayed but that's just when you're young and dumb but um, no I, I, I do regret it I, I do regret it probably a little bit <laughs> yeah it's a double edged one isn't it because like financially like it's giving you more kind of like flexibility in your life but your heart says I wish I'd stayed yeah. there yeah yeah it does and when I speak to uh, I've spoken to you know professionals about obviously when I was going through my knee injury I, I spoke to a uh, psychologist and and I still have done and, and they always say you always look back on the fun stuff there was obviously times at Reading that I didn't enjoy as much like everyone does in, at work um, but for me going to Galatasaray I managed to experience a different league I played with some great players I managed to play in the Champions League you know I, I, it's something that I never thought was Imaginable. Only the only person ever said I could do it was Eamon and he was like, "You'll play in the Champions League one day." So it was, uh, it was that wouldn't have happened, obviously, if I stay Reading. No, no, I can I can confirm that we would have not made the Champions League team, <laughs> even with you in the team. That wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, good things have happened and uh, some bad. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, totally. I think it's a dream of yours, probably from your family to play in Turkey, wasn't it, at some point? Yeah. It, I was meant to sign, well, obviously, Reading, when, I, when they said I could leave, to sign mm. them, but I was also meant to join Galatasaray when I was 14. So, it was definitely something I'd always wanted to do. Um, and it, when I got the phone call offering a three-year deal to sign for them, and they'd just won the league, it was a manager that I had in my 21s manager. You know, I was like, oh, it's all falling into place. It's, it's all... Uh, it's all going to work out well and then <laughs> I get to Turkey there was a lot of political stuff going on with the club and the chairman and unfortunately I was a part of you know I was an injured player who'd only played seven games 
or 14 games in two seasons, it was why we signed him. But mm. like, yeah, he, he's been involved with the Turkey squads and stuff, but he hasn't played for two years. And then I, it was tough. I, I weren't much liked while I was there, unfortunately, because um, I hadn't played as much. So it was, it was tough. And then all the stuff that was going on out there, it, it was crazy. <laughs> just, I was wondering what I like, what's going on here. That's a separate podcast on its own, probably, isn't it, Turkey? Yeah. <laughs> the kind of things that go on there. And uh, yeah. wow. Then at some point, then you move on to Bolton and you rekindle yeah. your relationship with Adam Lafonja, who in himself is a Reading legend as well. Yeah. And yeah. obviously at that point, Phil Parkinson is the manager at Bolton. Now, there seemed to be a period when you were captain there and then you yeah. dropped out completely. What actually happened there then? see that football is such a brutal industry yeah it really is players are commodities aren't they essentially yeah yeah we are um Mm. and you know i've been through a lot of struggles since my injuries and in and out of teams which to this day those little things hinder me now um when back why did you play there and you know no one wants to hear 
why the excuses you know yeah. it's because essentially if, if the manager thinks you're good enough you'll play but I don't know there's some, something going on um, that that I, I genuinely don't know why he completely <laughs> out of the squad to be honest it was, it was frustrating and again to go from being injured to going to Turkey not playing for whatever reason to then missing nearly the whole season because they wouldn't let me go um, to then thinking it had all turned around been promoted been given me the armband to then not being involved again I was just like this is crazy like it's definitely been tough it's been real tough yeah totally I'm gonna like lighten the mood here slightly because Flames now you started the Flames crew (laughs) now how did that start because that's become such a thing even when I put out the tweets about you coming on here I had to put Flames next to it because that is what you're associated with yeah I think at at the time it was just a word you know like young and little word that people (laughs) were using and then my best mate I lived with at the time Callum would always say it uh and then I got, when we got a, a, a dog, and we were like, well, we'll call it Flames. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's literally. <laughs> I look back now, and I've got like tattoo with Flames on my arm and stuff like that. That is dedication to the cause there, Jim, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things that stuck to it. Um, yeah, I'll always be reminded by it. But yeah, it's just a stupid little thing that we kind of that we kind of had, um, and everyone. The, the, and the team would say it, so it was, it was just something that stuck, yeah. That was it, really. <laughs> Out of all the players you've played with, or over your career, but mainly at Reading, who would you least like to be stuck in self-isolation with? Piercy. <laughs> really? Yeah, Piercy, probably. Yeah, just relentless? Yeah, just, just stupid little pranks and... Uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be allowed to be doing right now he used to just when we were <laughs> sneezing in my face in the boot room you know that stupid stuff that like uh. little things like that and he was comedy him and Hal used to have some funny tricks on the away games they'd order room service um, let the let the person in the door and just both be sat there in their pants waiting for the first one to break so I couldn't be a part of that I to be a part of that kind of stuff so it would definitely be piercing oh yeah definitely so Serial Quest that was another thing from Sean Morrison as well wasn't yeah. it he's yeah. another like character as well that like we're Reading and we let him go yeah. to Cardiff and all that some yeah. things that have gone on what is like the fondest memory of Reading and um, which one game if you could go back to right now would you want to play uh Um, I was with him the other week actually he meant to be getting married in the summer um, don't know if that's going to happen but it was unfortunate with Morrow what, what happened because at the start of the season he didn't he, I think yeah he, he was like main man he was like main main man at the back um, and then the club got a bid for him Sean didn't want to leave um, he said he didn't want to leave um, but then the club accepted the bid and I think once they do that he's kind of right on the wall and he he fall I've got to go so I know the fans do give him a bit of stick, but I, knowing behind the scenes that he, he didn't want to leave, he, he, he cemented his place uh, in the team. So maybe the next time we play, him, might give him a bit of a, 
bit of a lighter time, but um, we know that won't happen, Jam, don't we? <laughs> the truth doesn't get in the way of abuse, does it? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you might know that now. But, um, yeah, but what, what was it? Oh, I lost myself there. What was? If you could go back to any game that you played yeah. in, which one would you want to go back to? Um, I tell you, a game I quite enjoyed was the West Ham one. You know, I think they got two players sent off. Oh yes, that was a great game to be a part of. That brings up the man, the legend, Jimmy Kebbe. Jimmy Kebbe, did that man that training? Did he ever actually speak? Because he just seems like this really cool character. He goes in, trains, machine, go home. That's it. I just, what was he like? Uh, Yeah, Jimmy spoke a lot. Sometimes he'd be thinking, Jimmy, come on, mate. Like, just do what you normally do. Like, just put your head down and run. He was him and Joby on the wings. Um, like, he, they were phenom- phenomenal for us. And Jimmy was superb. Yeah, he was. He was lightning, wasn't he? He was just. Yeah. And then he just went missing. He just. He, just, he went to Palace and then got paid off and went missing. Yeah, that was a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember. But Jimmy Kebe was the man who came out and completely attacked Anton Zingarevich about the tra- lack of transfers after the match at Sunderland, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of like, where are these signings? Where are these players? We, we heard about it. And he's like, wow, this is like, A, a player's attacking the owner. And B, it's Jimmy Kebe. Where does this come from? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Jimmy Justin, he just had enough, didn't he? Um, yeah. But no, Jimmy, was, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He just, another one of the characters in the dressing room that, you know, just fitted in perfectly. Yeah, he's a real legend, though. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like you say, he was absolutely lightning. So thanks a lot, Jim. Really appreciate you giving up the time and joining us on the podcast today. So hopefully you'll get back playing soon somewhere. Yes, we shall see. That's the plan. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you very much. No problem with that. Cheers.